0: Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. On
1: today's episode, Farmers have at their disposal new options for gopher control after strychnine was deregistered. Farmers need to use the same care in the use and where they store these new products, according to Dr. Vanessa Cowan with the Western College of Veterinary Medicine. She says there have been cases this year of livestock that have come into contact with zinc phosphide. Well, way back when, when you were looking at farmland and wanted more information of the soil component, you would have to get a hold of a hard copy of a soil survey map. Now the Saskatchewan Soil Information System is available online. Angela Bedard Hahn is the Dean of the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. She says the website has historical soil information on all land in the province. When we come back, Vanessa Cowan.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Since April, farmers have been using new options to control gophers after nine completed the three-year deregistration process. Dr. Vanessa Cowan is an assistant professor of toxicology at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, First of all, Vanessa, farmers, uh, I understand, still need to use the same care when they're placing and storing the new products as they did with the old strychnine.
0: The active ingredient of the uh, replacement product is called zinc phosphide. Typically, the rodenticide will come in a 2% formulation, whether that be pellets or oats, um, some kind of treated bait. In terms of efficacy, a pilot study done by the government of Saskatchewan showed that zinc phosphide was just as efficacious as strychnine for Killing Richardson ground squirrels or gophers and potentially a little less expensive. However, it is just as toxic to any other animal that would be ingested. One relative advantage of zinc phosphide, because a major reason for the phase out of strychnine was non target species becoming poison, so whether that be wildlife or livestock or people's pets, zinc phosphide, because of the way that the bait works, The bait hits the stomach and the stomach acid causes a chemical reaction to release phosphine gas and that's the toxic component of the rodenticide and what ultimately will kill the animal. That reaction doesn't happen after death, after a certain point. So animals that may come across a gopher that has been poisoned with zinc phosphide, they will not get secondary poisoning from chewing that animal or eating that animal. So that is a good thing about zinc phosphide. However, the concern is that if baits are not placed properly or if there is easy access to the baits, that animals still can get into the baits. And for example, horses who really like oats will ingest the bait, not be deterred by any sort of chemical in the bait and will become poisoned.
1: So what are the symptoms if uh, livestock, an animal or a pet show that maybe they've accidentally
0: ingested zinc phosphide? So it varies a little bit by species, but dogs, typically the first symptom you'll see is very profuse vomiting and it can appear, appear to be bloody vomiting as well. In contrast, horses are a species that cannot vomit, but they will become very sick relatively quickly as well. In both cases, animals can have neurological symptoms. So similar to strychnine, they can have seizures, but unlike strychnine, seizures um, seizures with strychnine poisoning are kind of the predominant sign. However, with zinc phosphide, There's also respiratory irritation, so animals will have trouble breathing. They will have diarrhea, significant vomiting if you're a species that can vomit. And if animals survive that insult, uh, they can still die of liver failure from days later. And we cannot really predict if liver failure is going to happen.
1: So, is there an antidote if
0: you catch it quickly? If you catch this quickly, the best thing that you can attempt to do is give the animal antacids. Because of the acidity of the stomach, that is what drives the chemical reaction to produce the phosphine gas. So if you can give the animal antacids, whether that be proton pump inhibitors or histamine blockers or even TUMs, something that just will reduce the acidity, that can help stop production of further phosphine gas. However, it will not reverse any signs that the animal is already experiencing. So there is no specific antidote. Early intervention in the course of the poisoning is highly important. Now, have you run into
1: any cases so far this year of livestock or pets that have come into contact with zinc phosphide?
0: Yes, we've had four cases in horses this year. We also currently do not have an analytical method to detect zinc phosphide in any samples that we get from animals that may have signs of poisoning. But as with any rodenticide, there is potential for misuse and accidents do happen.
1: So are you able to tell us then if any of those horses survived? I can't
0: give specific details, but I know that one horse did die. So is there anything else that you'd like to share with us? I think it's very important for people to ensure that they're using proper personal protective equipment when placing these baits and paying close attention to the label instructions and that Using the label will give you the best chance of mitigating any risk because certainly accidents happen and following the label instructions, whether you use tamper-proof bait boxes or you bury the bait in the gopher burrows, those are options. Additionally. There are other products available on the market, though I realize that they are more expensive and potentially more labor-intensive for people, but those are the anticoagulant rodenticides. And the only reason I bring those up is because there is actually an antidote for that poisoning. You give the animals vitamin K1 if they present to you early in the case of poisoning, and most animals make a recovery. Whereas with zinc phosphide, You would have to intervene almost immediately after the animal ingested the poison. There's also the human health risk from inhaling the phosphine gas from the animals because we can get poisoned as well. And it's likely to be a very complicated kind of medical treatment with a poor prognosis. Dr. Vanessa
1: Cowan is an assistant professor of toxicology at the Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan. And she says farmers, again, need to use the same care in storage and placement of zinc phosphide, which has replaced strychnine for gopher control in Canada. After the break, Angela Bedard-Hahn with U.S.A.S. College of Agriculture and Bioresources sharing more on the SASC Soil Information System.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarland.
1: Well, for the longest time, if you wanted to look at a soil survey map of any piece of land in Saskatchewan, you'd have to get an actual map or a survey book. But now accessibility has made that easier thanks to the development of a website called sksis.ca. The full name of the acronym is Saskatchewan Soil Information System. Angela Bedard-Hahn is a soil scientist and the dean of the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. Angela, this website has all the historical soil survey information for every piece of land in the province. So it certainly was created to reflect how people are interacting with information today.
2: So when you click on a, a particular location you'll get the soil classification and the term, you know, the description of that particular thing might not be something you're familiar with. You know, an orthic dark brown churnism might not mean something to everybody, but as you click on that, you, you it'll take you to a, a site if you don't know what it is, it'll take you to a site that can give you more information about what you're looking at there. There's also information about ag capability, texture, stoniness, salinity, and even irrigation capabilities. So you can get a sense about what the the land looks like. You can also get a sense of the variability. Some spots you click on and you can click on what's called the component and it might be 100% one type of soil or maybe you'll click on that and it'll say well it's a mix of these three or four soil types and so you get that sense of the variability just by, by looking at that distribution as well. So the website has
1: a 12-page user manual to show how to use it properly. So while you can use it as a guest, you can create an account option, and that's available with a companion tool for the website being developed, and that will allow the user to get down to a quarter section of land. So this certainly had to have been a labor of love to create this soil survey map.
2: Yeah, so I sometimes joke about that. There be there was a glory years for soil survey. And so over the course of, you know, basically a lot of the second half of the 20th century, there were soil surveyors all over the prairies that were trying to capture all of this detail. And there was, you know, we were at a genuine risk for a while of some of that information just being being lost due to due to inaccessibility. And so this was really an opportunity for us to capture all of that work because these maps really represent not just individual samples, but knowledge that's gained from years and years spent in the field digging holes and really trying to understand how those soils formed and how they, why they function the way they do at a particular location in the landscape.
1: For farmers wanting to know more about their land or anyone looking to buy a quarter section, obviously this website then would be a great resource.
2: Exactly. It's a great way to get a bit of a sneak preview of what you're looking at. And so whether you're looking at, especially if you're shopping for land in the wintertime, right? It's an opportunity for you to get a sense of what you might expect. So yeah, maybe if, maybe what you thought was going to be really good, it turns out it's capability six, and it gives you an idea of what why that is, right? Okay, well maybe I'm looking to buy a sand pit, and that's okay. It'll tell you what you're looking at without you necessarily going out and sticking a shovel in the ground yourself. It gives you a good start.
1: Now, uh, you don't know the exact number of people using it, but it is being used. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head,
2: but I got to tell you, over the course of this 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 week already, the number of folks I've 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 talked to that have come by and say they're already using it. I know we've got a lot of users in the agronomy community, and we've started teaching students with this in the college as well. Which means that those folks are then going out and teaching their colleagues. Folks with Ag Canada as well are, are using this, and the provincial Ministry of Agriculture is a, is a big fan. So lots of users out there across a broad spectrum, and we're always happy to to teach people more about it.
1: Angela Bedard-Hahn is the Dean of the College of Agriculture and Bioresources at the University of Saskatchewan. Again, that is the Saskatchewan Soil Information System. The website is sksis.ca. Here are the top agriculture stories for the week of August 14th, 2023. Maintaining strong agricultural trade ties in North America is the main purpose of the Tri National Agricultural Accord. Politicians and trade officials from Canada, the United States, and Mexico were in Saskatchewan last week for the 32nd annual conference. It's an opportunity to plan for any potential future emergencies, such as African swine fever as well as discussions on science-based trade and improving cross-border trade harmonization. Representatives from Mexico, 22 U.S. states, and several provinces from Quebec to Alberta took part. A three-year pilot program will begin next month to help reduce the administrative burden of accessing the Temporary Foreign Worker Program. The Recognized Employer Program will first be made available to agricultural workers this September before a wider rollout in January. The program will be available to those companies who regularly access the TFW program and who meet the highest standards for working and living conditions and worker protection. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture said it applauded the launch and it has been advocating for simplification of TFW's program for years. It is written, signed and delivered to Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. The Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association sent a letter to the minister, which has feedback on various support programs and general comments from producers. The feedback was compiled during five town hall meetings. Cattlemen CEO Grant McClellan says they also released the letter publicly on their social media and websites. He estimates a total of 430 producers attended those town hall meetings. The Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association launched its first-ever Young Farmer Mentorship Program. It was established with support from Canadian Pacific Kansas City Rail. To apply, a grain farmer has to live within Western Canada and be under the age of 35. Applications will be accepted until November 1st. The successful candidates will be announced November 15th. New Farm announced a large research partnership with Olds College in Alberta worth a million dollars over five years. The crop protection company says it will establish its first technology development station in Canada at the college, which will include up to 80 acres of land for trials, as well as access to Olds College's expertise and leadership in ag tech research. The partnership establishes a framework for the development and testing of agricultural technologies, plot trials of chemistry and biological techniques, seed genetics, agronomic training, and applied research projects related to smart agricultural technology. The federal government announced new funding for grain research in Western Canada. $4 million will be provided to the Western Grains Research Foundation agri Program Clusters component. One of the priority areas is funding integrated crop agronomy focused on weed management, Disease management, insect pest management, plant nutrition, response to weather variability, and climate change, and sustainable resource management. Research Foundation Chair Laura Ryder said that crop production cannot always be addressed by studying individual crops in isolation. It's important to include the interaction of crops within a cropping system.